The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... MMOW's Oscar Race Update. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Another Oscar Race Checkpoint on this, the second weekend of September 2019, or the 10th anniversary of the Oscar contending I Can Do Bad All By Myself (laughs) from 2009. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is a man doing bad all by himself also, Mike. Yeah, so can I. I like that title. (laughs) I I haven't seen that movie. I know it's Tyler Perry. Yeah, not a lot of people have, to be honest with you. 4.4 on IMDb. Great title. Great title, yes. Amazing title, very descriptive of how we handle our business as well. But this is an Oscar race checkpoint, and it's an important one because the Toronto International Film Festival is just about wrapping up its business up there in the Great White North, and so we're having another film festival that's shaping the Oscars landscape as it is. Oh, it definitely is, and we got a lot of recaps here to get to get into. But first of all, a, a news story that I thought was weird to be honest with you they canceled their award show up in toronto and we'll just announce winners on social media we'll be covering this on mmow we hope on monday Mike. yeah this just came out uh anthony d'alessandro who's been all over the festival for deadline has been doing a great job of covering it he wrote this i think yesterday we're recording this on the 13th this came out the 12th uh saying that tiff's canceling their award show and I love Toronto, man. I really do. Like, every other award show is taking themselves so uber seriously right. and so over the top, and all they care about is getting, like, an A-lister to pose with their award in front of that big poster yeah. that has their logo over and over. And <laughs> Tiff's just like, just give me the movies and everybody go home. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say for my collage making, right. I can't do the whole accepting of the awards thing yeah, right. on MMOW. Well, I'm a little disappointed by here's that. Here's what you do, is you just take a picture of... Of uh, Sandra Bullock's 1995 film *The Net*. Okay, and you have that be the stand-in for it because this is what they're going to do. They're going to announce it on social media. They're going to announce it on the internet. Right, exactly. Which is a worldwide <laughs> established uh, that everybody's on every day. And you want me to take a 1990s movie? That's correct. And use it as a symbol. Uh huh. For what drives our daily life. I think everybody would understand the correlation. Uh, just in a vacuum. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Toronto did go on to cite that the reason they're doing this change is because, uh, frankly, they're framing it as we're letting the worldwide audience share in the moment with the winners. The However, reality is, apparently a lot of the big names don't usually stick around until the end of the 10th day, which is when the ceremony would be anyway. Okay. So this is kind of their way to get out of jail free, not have to worry about who is and isn't present for the awards. I imagine it's going to save them on some overhead as well for not having to actually run an award show, so they'll just be able to give these out online. I think it's kind of unique in this era where every film festival and every award show is kind of overly taking themselves seriously. Toronto's taking the exact opposite approach. They can't get enough of podiums and red carpets. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, it's kind of refreshing. Right. I, I would agree with you. Yeah. And Toronto's always been, to me, like the Everyman's Film Festival. Because sure. they're not just Oscar contenders. They do care about blockbusters and bigger name films. and I, I like it. Good for you, Toronto. All Stay right. happy. So let's get into the reactions. And this is going to be the bulk of the episode. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's fun to kind of, you know, give you a little profiles of what all the buzz is and what the reviews are. We're going to start with, I think, the biggest story of the week. Certainly the biggest surprise in the land of MMO. (laughs) Hustlers, the Jennifer Lopez, Constance Wu, strippers, basically con Wall Street guys into giving them their money movie. 
90% on Rotten Tomatoes on 124 reviews, 75% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, 79 Metascore, which is much higher than I'd ever thought, Mike. So high across We the will be reviewing this early next week, adding it to our schedule, but... The greatest part about it is the Oscar buzz is, is happening right now for J-Lo in the supporting actress category. It has gone to international news territory. CNN is reporting it. She was on Sirius Radio Amazing. the other day on the Today Show of Sirius Radio, tearing up. This Cre- is, incredible. This is one of the most unforeseen stories of film year 2019 in the year. Uh, look, we've been warning you. you. Everyone's saying what a slog 2019's been. It's been so slow to play out. We're gonna we're in for some major surprises. A sprint. And, and, and this is a truly the kickoff to a sprint. Absolutely, you're right. You can't predict this coming, right? For Hustlers, no way. of all movies, to get on any kind of Oscars recognition, I saw the projections for the film. It's projected to open. Our, the low end is $25 million. Wow. Uh, that's what people are expecting, 23 to 25 It could be as high as 30 to 40 the worst part of this mm-hmm. annapurna had this movie oh no and they gave it up no <laughs> they don't have the rights of this movie anymore. they finally had yeah. that, that would make <laughs> just, up for I so many losses that this morning and my mouth dropped oh my goodness look well when colby mack gets out of the, the theater for his eighth time in a row though right. they they might reach that 40 million dollar ceiling I on think. the back of mac yeah. oh he put he put together that dancing video i think that was just because hustlers was getting oscar buzz he put that out yesterday on twitter okay i know he's a big j-lo fan yes. like we are and shout out to colby mac at colby told me so my god can you dance my friend and uh, <laughs> Good for great him. job yeah uh, so yeah hustlers will be an oscar sprint profile for us next week be on the lookout for that we're gonna dive deep and again not something we would have guessed we were covering in an Oscar movie, but like you said, CNN, Sirius Radio, Scott yeah. Feinberg, every major critic in the industry is saying, hey, this is a legitimate awards contender. So, yeah, we're going to dive in and see what it has in store. And we're finally getting Best Supporting Actress talk. We yeah. have not gotten no. much of that That's at all. Point. And coming out of TIFF, I'm really excited that we're getting Best Actress talk and Best Supporting Actress talk. We'll get to the former uh, in a few minutes. Yeah, uh, co-signed both of those. Knives Out also had its debut finally. It's rocking a perfect 100%. Mm. on Rotten Tomato through its first 50 critic scores. Yes. 83 Metascore, which is, Metascore, which is incredibly high. Uh, critics think it'll be a hit with audiences. Yes. Gregory Elwood at the playlist even suggested that it might be in the original screenplay conversation. This was my first take when I saw how glowing these reviews are and everyone's saying it's such a fun romp and it's so entertaining and it's so great. My take is, okay, so nominate it. Like, right. if it's that good of a movie, <laughs> and it's that universally pleasing, Let's it go. doesn't just have to be a fun movie that we put aside and say, it's a popular film. Like, if it's good, nominate it. <laughs> a lot of people are talking about how it elevates that old, you know, chamber piece, Clue, Agatha Christie. Whodunit type whodunit. thing. Yeah. And that's exactly what you want of in, course. A, in a genre film that could transcend into the Oscar conversation. This is one I can't get. This is probably my most anticipated movie for the rest of the year, either this or Queen and Slim. But mm-hmm. I, I can't wait. And it's a great ensemble. We've been on top of this for a long time. Everybody that's likable looks to be playing a character who is despicable in this movie, at least from the trailers yeah. we've seen. So that's a really unique take. Chris Evans couldn't be more smarmy. And you got movie stars mixed with former Oscar nominees mm-hmm. and award season behemoths like Christopher Plummer and last year's darling, for us at least, Tony Collette. Calling her a darling for Hereditary is probably the wrong word choice. But. <laughs> Still not over it, man. No, Still I not over agree. it. She deserves so much more. Can't wait to get our hands on Knives Out, Mike. That's my most 
anticipated film of the year, like I said. What do you think yours is coming up? Oh, that's tough. Yeah. I, I'm still into Star Wars, I would say. Yeah, probably safe bet. Ryan Johnson, who just did episode eight, yeah. the director of Knives Out. Uh, but I, I can't wait for Knives Out. Jojo Rabbit. So this has been a roller coaster uh, in terms of its reviews. Sure. It is now up to 72% on Rotten Tomatoes on 50. Reviews there and 52 Metascore is still the low kind of entry point that it came in at. Yeah, it's pretty low from what I would it's expect. Very this, low. Uh, Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, they do a great podcast, IndieWire Screen Talk. They posited that this movie would need critics to have any chance at an Oscar and although reviews have been rising, I don't think it's where it needs to be, especially with that Metascore. It debuted at 55%. Scott Feinberg had an even more worrisome article in my eyes. He basically crystallized the argument, Mike, saying that some of the jokes about anti-Semitism were more cringeworthy and, and comma, not funny. And that's that scares the shit yeah, out of me for this movie. If it plays like that, it's going to be a little worse. Like it just doesn't take that subject matter as seriously as it needs to. It it might have its heart in the right place, but it doesn't have its head on straight. I don't know. The bigger issue, I would say, is that you know it's not going to get help from much help from its studio. No, it's from not. its parents too, I mean, who already had concerns and allayed those concerns through the media well, about re releasing this anyway. That being Disney, they were considering not releasing it at one point. So to be fair, they had mixed reviews in their screenings, and right. that came out to the public right what an accident that was yeah. well i don't know <laughs> yeah accident like a fox i think on disney's part right. i don't think they they care very much about this one uh succeeding or not we yeah. are looking forward to it it is certainly if nothing else a unique take and anything that bizarre and that unique you would think you at least consider along the original screenplay lines i don't know that this one's going to have the momentum to carry it through like you said it seems to be one of those cases ann thompson made the point like you said that critics need to be behind it i don't know that it's necessarily is the case out of the gate that yeah. 50-something Metascore certainly suggests the opposite. So we'll see, I guess. I don't have very high hopes for this one. Evangelista enjoyed it to an extent on Slash Film, but yeah, IndieWire was saying like it doesn't quite work. And it is definitely polarizing critics out there, and it really needs a unified front, I think, to break through. Yeah, speaking of polarizing, our buddy Scott Feinberg having a hot take on this. He had a hot take on The Joker, too, which we'll talk about that he yeah. kind of got skewered for, which... Listen, call me a homer. I agree with Mr. Feinberg 100% on his take there. We so. usually do. Yeah. The Goldfinch also had its debut. 28% on Rotten Tomatoes right now on 87 reviews, which is amazingly lower than when it first debuted on Rotten Tomatoes yeah. to a 31%. 41 Metascore. This is a dud. You called this yeah. one. And everybody says that they wasted Roger Deakins' cinematography. It's sad because you got Nicole Kidman, you got Ansel Elgort. Hopefully, he can have a you know another star-making mm -hmm. performance, but it doesn't seem to be something that's going to work. Never mind, you know, uh, contend for Oscars. The studio picture changing the release date stays undefeated. That's always been a massive red flag to me, and it stays that way. It was came true. You know, I said on Twitter, call it the rule of Marwin from last year, if you want, when that was supposed <laughs> to be the Thanksgiving release, and they moved it to. Christmas, so Green Book could have the Thanksgiving release. One goes on to win the Best Picture, and the other one is a fart in the wind, essentially. So <laughs> the rule of Marwin su subcolon fart in the wind yeah. principle. <laughs> uh, when studios take, they have that prime release schedule. Right. It's a little skewered this year because of moving the Oscars up to the February 9th, But that prime release schedule of like the second week of October until Thanksgiving weekend, those yep. are your 
best picture heavy serious contenders if the studios think so and if a studio has a picture positioned there and move it out of that range there's something wrong with the movie it's smelling yeah it's smelling a beautiful day in the neighborhood has debuted to 95 percent on rotten tomatoes on 55 reviews 82 meta score mike i think the biggest takeaway here is that from all outlets they say that Tom Hanks is a supporting character that makes in this no movie. sense. And the protagonist of the film is actually Matthew Reese playing a very depressed journalist. from. He's from the Americans. I love him as an actor. Sure. If he's the protagonist, I mean, it, this makes for a juggernaut in the supporting actor category, Tom Hanks, sure no? Sure does. Uh, also, it's be the second big movie that we've been looking forward to for months, where we're kind of, the first we hear about the actual plot is wildly reversed or not at all what we thought we were getting. When we first heard Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a buddy hangout movie, we were mm -hmm. like, what? Well, we thought it was going to be this Manson family picture and right. all this, but it turns out to be not that at all. We think A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is going to be the Mr. Rogers picture. If that's not the case, I don't know what we're going to expect, but like you said, if it makes Tom Hanks into a supporting role playing Fred Rogers, I would think that would only enhance or magnify his chances at an Oscar. Because you would think if he's going to lead playing Fred Rogers, he'd already be in contention. Right. If the movie's not about him all the time, he has less screen time to shine even more, I'm sure he's going to steal the show. I was hearing, like, you know, 2008 Heath Ledger Joker buzz in terms wow. of how just, you know, spine-tinglingly awesome his scenes wow. are. They changed the whole momentum of the film, and I can't wait to see this. Mariel Heller is someone that we've been praising for a while in terms terms of her direction sure. i didn't even like can you forgive me last year but i respected her you know directorial prowess and thompson at indywire really was praising this composition so you know let's let's put her in that best director race as well i would absolutely love that and can you ever forgive me i didn't like out of the gate but it it's one of those that grew on has me it that left me thinking about it over and over so it just hit vod i'm curious yeah. to kind of rewatch it yeah I, I i think i watched it once after we gave the review to it yeah. and just like it's one of those things i just can't stop thinking about it. I think Heller has a lot to do with that. And like you said, I would love to see her breakthrough, especially in this year where we have these giant film festivals like Venice mm -hmm. treating women directors as if they basically don't exist. And so, I mean, so terribly yeah. and, and, we always need to have a, shot, a spotlight shine on that issue because Hollywood needs to fix it. That is a systemic problem, and women deserve more opportunities, and why not let Mariel Heller carry the torch there and give her a Best Director nomination? I would love to see that. I'm rooting for it. Blackbird was also something that had its debut. 73% on only 11 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. It's carrying another relatively low 50 Metascore. This is about a terminally ill mother with Susan Sarandon. We've, we've previewed this one in the past. Right. Susan Sarandon, Sam Neill, Kate Winslet. It's going to open the San Sebastian Film Festival. Yeah, we thought it was going to be more of a fringe contender mm -hmm. because it got that prime spot at San Sebastian, but it just didn't survive TIFF, and it really came out with low scores. And Look, you got to have a rave review number to you know transcend kind of that nobody-knows-you Stats. Yeah, you got to get out of the box hot if you're going to have some kind of uh, giant big six aspirations, any right. of the lead categories, director, screenplay, picture. This one, this next one certainly does right now. Yeah, Dolomite is my name, 96% on 24 reviews, a 69 meta score, and this is that other great comeback story that we keep yeah. hearing about. Eddie Murphy, everybody's so happy to have him back in their lives again, starring in this movie, apparently he's in every scene. He has this anchor performance, according to Evangelista on Slash Film Daily, which I 
thought was interesting because yeah, I figured there would be more of the showcase for Murphy, but right. he, if he's the anchor, Evangelista says that it really gives a, a, a chance to shine to to Divine Joy Randolph playing Lady Reed. She's kind of a breakout character and a breakout actress from this. And he said that there, there's a scene where quote it's so sweet it's going to make you shed a tear or two. <laughs> so I'm I'm ready for that. I'm afraid of that. But this is coming towards uh, the end of October. We can't wait to see it. That's not really a surprise to hear that breakdown because even in the trailer that we did get our hands on and we all saw online Eddie Murphy's not the one doing like the comedic goods like those the comedic chops are kind of left to Keegan-Michael Key and Mike Epps and the heartfelt moment is left to like you said to Divine Joy Randolph she kind of gives a big or at least a big part of her speech, what we think is going to be a big part of her speech, uh, in, in that, that trailer, trailer yeah. as well. Eddie Murphy is really kind of playing a background role. So if you were to tell me, like, the Mr. Rogers picture, that assessment is attached to Dolomite, I would believe it, where, Eddie, where the main character, who we think is going to be the lead actor, is kind of playing a background role, but that's still not the case. It seems like Eddie Murphy is heavily involved in this picture, nonetheless. Oh, obviously. yeah, he's in every scene. I don't right. know. If he if he's a background role, he's the background for, right, for right. everybody else to shine. But he's got a great cast, so we're into this. I don't know if it's getting best picture buzz or you know transcending all the categories. I don't think that's happening. I don't even think that matters with, with right. this type of movie. I mean, Eddie Murphy kind of... he. he needs to reestablish himself, I would say. I mean, that's not a, a slight on him or his right. career. He's just been attached with some duds over the last couple of years, since Dreamgirls, I would say, but, and even before that. So it's nice to see him get some kind of critically acclaimed... Yeah serious movie but if yeah if you get ruthie carter's costumes if you get a right. song coming out of here and if you get a supporting actress who's a contender that sure. would be a lot of fun. absolutely it'd be a huge victory absolutely just mercy another one that we've hyped up and previewed uh 85 on its first 33 reviews on rotten tomatoes 65 meta ratings so meta ratings been harsh lately to some of these movies yeah my read on all of the re reviews thus far mike is that this is a script issue a lot of people are criticizing the dialogue a lot of people are saying and that Daniel Dustin Cretton, Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, and Brie Larson, they're all, like, elevating the scenes, and that, that's a bad sign for me. That's like a backhanded compliment saying that the story isn't as strong or that the notes that we had in the trailer, like the heavy, over-the-top dialogue, on-the-nose dialogue, is kind of holding this movie back. I just keep seeing downsizing every time I hear and see this you movie. You do, and I see Charlie Says for some <laughs> weird reason. It's just, they're both wrong. Right. They're both so wrong. Right. <laughs> they're just like a great cast. Okay. A lot of people think it has awards hopes just because of the cast attached to it before we even really know anything about the movie christmas release right once it comes once people actually see it they're the performances like performances oh. in the trailer are terrific right right i it, like but like you said that whole lifting up the you know it's not Dialogue doesn't in. seem like it has anything to it i hope that's not the case i do love this cast and i think there is a great story to be told here but i don't know look 85 percent rotten tomatoes that's a good start especially you want to start strong we just said that Harold narrative 65 meta every meta rating we've talked about has been kind of middling so far and below middling i would say uh, yeah for some of these I, I we're gonna get into a slew of movies where i think they held and they held in the meta score and the rotten tomato percentage this is not one no it's not it's this a little next worrisome. movie I, I am worried about this one harriet debuted to a 67 percent of rotten tomatoes on 21 reviews only a 64 meta score mike everybody seems to agree that this is a mediocre film with a great performance by cynthia Arrivo as harriet tubman is that enough to gain her a nomination? Can she get a Willem Dafoe situation coming out of At Eternity's Gate last year? Different kind of movie. Right. This is more commercial. This is going to be more widely seen. I 
don't know. Well, that's one of the comparisons that uh, Captain Fantastic Viggo Mortensen, when he landed a Best Actor nomination a couple years ago, we kind of get these every once in a while where sure. we have the outstanding performance, so we do give them the cursory nomination, but they're never really taken seriously as an awards favorite or right. awards contender. And we they're thought she was going to be, yeah, we thought she was right. going to be a major contender. Right. And unfortunately, she might be in that spot where she squeaks in. I, we, we don't know yet. The, the best actress race is going to shape yeah, up. It's all, the, look, it's all speculation from our end on all of these, right? Yes. Because we just are basing our, uh, what we see and hear in the zeitgeist and film Twitter and reading off of all the periodicals and we can only take the temperature of the room right now. We don't have our hands on these. We watch these like you guys do when you get your hands on them as well. So I can say, and I can back up what you said here. I I, I do see a lot of uh, the film kind of, but Cynthia Erivo was great. Right. You know, so all across the board. Right. I, I would expect that certainly the subject matter is heavy enough and serious enough that I could expect that to kind of at least have her somewhere in the conversation come awards time. Maybe she's a fringe outsider like Tony Collette was for Hereditary last year. But yeah. I would expect, like, Critics' Choice she'll get a nom. So those types of things. To see her name there. So maybe she doesn't finish top five at the Oscars, but maybe she'll... I expect her to finish in, like, the top ten. We did say when we saw the trailer that it, it was more action star performance. And I did, yeah. you know, read a lot of things that said, you know, the physicality of her performance is great. I wonder if this is more of a movie star role than it is an Oscar you know, real point. scene kind of thing. Usually those movie star performances aren't tied to a film with such heavy subject matter. You know, like like 12 Years a Slave, you're not getting a movie star performance. You're getting an awards caliber performance with that type of movie. Yeah. Aaron Tubman, obviously a similar story. Sure. The, the, the slave story isn't usually one where you're trying to breakthrough as a star so that would be kind of unique oh very true and janelle monet's gotten some really good buzz coming out of it as well we're hoping that the numbers will keep going up and at least that this should be a hit could they fix some things you wonder because apparently a lot of the problems deal with pacing Mm -hmm. it's like a boring film which Mm -hmm. i was surprised to hear after that action-packed trailer so maybe they can recut it and fix something i don't know well it's probably doing better for itself than another supposed awards contender in the laundromat which right now has a 53 percent on rotten Tomatoes' first 34 critic reviews and another low 58 Metascore. Yeah, Scott Feinberg said, I wouldn't expect much of an award season presence for the laundromat. He had a whole article about Netflix not having this as one of their top priorities come award season. I was surprised by this because when you get Gary Oldman, Antonio Shocked. Banderas, and Meryl Streep. Shocked by this. And Steven Soderbergh. Shocked. Just the personnel involved. Yeah. This was supposed to be the one. Oh my goodness! I, I, you know the, think, the second one, other than the Irishman. Well, I guess. think about where we were. That's the point I was going to make. Like in March, in, in February, last Thanksgiving, looking yeah. forward to 2019. Like, oh, we got the Scorsese picture coming up. We got the Tarantino movie this year. We got a, a, a Soderbergh movie with Streep and Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. We got Her- we loved Harry at the sound of it last year. Clayton Davis from Award Circuit was all about that. And the 2019 looking forward Oscar predictions yeah, after yeah, last year. He was in its awards. corner just like we were. Yeah. And now they're all, like, what do we have? We got, like, The Report and The Joker. <laughs> Those are the ones that are left. All of our gods that we thought 2019 would be built on are kind of getting taken down a peg or two. The 100% accurate mid-year Oscars report. No, the beginning. <laughs> yeah, we got to come up with a new name, I guess. And uh, it's sad, but it's true. Steven Soderbergh, again, up and down with his movies. That's and a very nice way of putting that, yes. And, I agree. And I think he's he's doing so many that maybe he just can't. Well, that's what happens when you retire, Mike. You go head first into your work. You make nine movies <laughs> in three years or whatever he's done. Yeah, yeah. Mike Joker uh, has a 76% Rotten Tomato score on 91 reviews with a 70 meta score. 
those are much higher than we ever thought possible for this, right? It seems like Joaquin Phoenix is, everyone's universally expecting him to have something to say in the Best Actor race, if not win it outright at this point. This is the movie that Scott Feinberg, where I alluded to earlier, he had a hot take saying that basically he thinks if the wrong person sees the type of glorification that this movie has within it, it yeah. could send the wrong message. He was dragged across Twitter by a lot of people that we follow for this. I happen to agree with him. I don't think he's saying that, you know, movies incite violence or video games incite violence. I think he's saying exactly how I surmised it. If the wrong person happens to see this, they could get the wrong message if that message is what these trailers have purported it to be. We're going to have to see it for yeah. ourselves, I guess. I, box office projections are right now at 80 to 90 million on its opening weekend, so it's supposed to be a hit, Mike. Mm -hmm. It won Venice. It's gaining steam at Toronto. And we thought it would like, you know, come back to earth a little bit after after Venice maybe. It did not. It's still the height of conversation in every single podcast out there at all the award season websites and we're putting it in our hammer spot here sure. in in this TIFF overview. I wonder if critics were more just pleasantly surprised by this film on first glance, but I, I don't think you can take this next wave of reviews and say that about it. If, you know, Ann Thompson is saying, it's a great movie, I loved it. And if all these, you know, heavy hitter critics are watching it and saying, look, I mean, this is a well-made movie. It deserves to be where it's at. It deserves to be in the conversation. It, it seems to be elevating the superhero genre in many ways, something we've been screaming for films to do and that we've wanted previous films nominated because they've done that. Avengers Endgame, where we're going to be rooting for mm -hmm. this year as well. Still, I, I just wonder... I, I, I'm a little skeptical, and I, I love that we have a rewatch series building up to it. I'm a little skeptical that this is going to be a major contender come award season. I think that's going to only help your viewing experience if you maintain that skepticism. Right. Because if you're going with too high expectations, then it's got more work to, for itself to do to actually meet those expectations Mike, in did the first place. did that first trailer troll us in a little bit? Because that was so melodramatic, I thought. I was like, this is going to be terrible. And then the buzz after that first trailer was like, oof. Yeah. I have I have a mixture of thoughts. At this point, I'm just wondering if the conceit is that Joaquin Phoenix is going to be in the best actor race, like how much more can this contend for if it is that good and if it is carrying that momentum through? Like is Todd Phillips going to get into the best director category? Is this mm -hmm. going to be an adapted screenplay type of thing? Is this going to be turn into some sort of monster, which would be wholly unique for a comic book movie, obviously, and it would be even more bizarre if we did this in the year that Endgame does come out. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yet Marinelli wins for Martin Eden at right. Venice. He wins the acting award. Right. So it's really strange. Like I am caught in the middle of this back and forth right now on Joker, and I guess this is ultimately a tease for our review of it. Well, I think they're going full steam ahead with the Oscars <laughs> push, too, yeah. because Todd Phillips came out this week and said that the Joker's not going to face Robert Pattinson's back. Batman, this is a standalone movie. He doesn't expect it to be part of the DC universe. I think that is only going to help its awards chances. Right. Because you're going to have some voters, if it does live up to the hype, and it is there at the end of the day in certain categories... Any kind of anti-comic book voter is going to be able to rationalize to it and say, well, this isn't really a comic book movie because it's standalone. They're not going to have this character fight Batman, yeah. so I can I can vote for it this time. Everybody's saying it's like a 1970s character study of a... Of a it's the king of comedy. Movie. Yeah. Right? Isn't that what we agreed on after seeing the second yeah, we did. trailer? We thought it was like the king of comedy with face paint and a gun. <laughs> 
<laughs> Unfortunately, I'm so afraid of that, though. I, I really am. I, I might agree with Mr. Feinberg. I, the the that's where I land on it. Like, I can easily see, based on what was in that second trailer, there being disturbing correlation if this glorifies the idea that this man who's been beaten down and bullied by society turns to violence and is turned into an anti-hero because of it. Like, yeah, I could see that being an issue for someone. And the scariest part is, like, you know, people are calling this nihilistic. Yeah. If you believe in nothing, Lebowski, <laughs> I don't know if you can, you know, in all seriousness, though, I don't know if you can stop people misinterpreting this movie if you're not pushing at least ethics in there that, that are on the level. Then again, maybe it's just a commentary on modern society as Todd Phillips sees it and he thinks there's just no hope for any of us. Oh, jeez, yeah. Todd Phillips. Oh, jeez. Get dark. Yeah. <laughs> Honey Boy also came out. This is getting a lot of praise across the board, but again, 65 Metascore, a 100% Rotten Tomato on 48 reviews. 50 reviews is usually about, you know, a quarter or a sixth of where it usually ends up with, but to have the first quarter or sixth of what you're going to base your total Rotten Tomato score off of be a 100 is a hell of a start. Yeah, Mr. Feinberg said that uh, Shia LaBeouf is going to be in the conversation for original screenplay and supporting actor here. He confirmed, quote, confirmed that this should be a contender at the end of the day and i was fascinated to watch that i know it came out at sundance mm -hmm. and a lot of those movies seem to go back down the hill right after sundance that where everybody loves them and then they get to tiff and then they're they're amongst the crowd and this one seems to be you know staying up there uh, in the conversation the buffasants it is a buffasance. <laughs> and if he's, yeah, if he's a multi-contender, everybody loves him in the Peanut Butter Falcon. That's a movie yeah. I really want to see. I got to go, got to go, got to go. <laughs> it left the theater I, that I get my free movie passes right, at AMC. Right. So now I got to actually pay and go see it. And I, I should just do it. <laughs> Mike, the Aeronauts, I'm surprised to see these reviews. This but doesn't I, make sense based on what I've seen on Yeah, Twitter. Matt Negley at Next Best Picture has his own review out there. Yeah. I kind of expect things to be more towards what he's saying. Yeah, but and he's not the only one that I've seen have that take. Either. Right, 93 percent on 14 reviews 73 meta score makes no sense to me people like the hot air balloon spectacle but both vanity fair and indie wire and uh, etc matt they say it's a little it's very preposterous i've seen so much negative press from this that yes. these scores don't make any sense to me i don't me know too. where they were weighing in from, are they just not allowing those scores to be published yeah. in a way? <laughs> they're deleting them somebody <laughs> on intern attached to the film is going in there and i don't understand where this is coming from where these numbers are coming from because i've seen nothing but like universal meh <laughs> from exactly. everyone that I trust. So uh, take that for what it's worth. I don't expect to see this hanging around. <laughs> Pun. Come Oscars oh, time. But uh, I don't know. I, I, do you think this is going to last? Do you think this has any kind of Oscar list? No, I don't because the way Amazon's putting it out yeah. there. They're just putting it on the streaming service after a, a very mild release. Amazon's. I don't think they have faith in what, they what got, they're putting out there. They the got shit. it change the way they're going about business they're doing they're i don't know what the hell they're well, doing they're not this. going for oscars that's yeah. for damn sure motherless brooklyn also had its debut 63 percent on the first 19 reviews so it is early 62 metascore i don't have a lot of faith for that yeah that's lower than i thought and that's the the closing night film at new york film mm. festival coming up I'm su I'm surprised because I figured NYFF would have taken an obvious film and put it in the closing spot. Well, it's not great news, but it's not as disappointing as Lucy in the Sky. Twenty percent, <laughs> Mike. Twenty percent on ten reviews. Thirty-seven Metascore. This is bad news for Noah Hawley, who I really like as a as a TV show creator and as a novelist, and you know, to, you know FX is Fargo and Legion. 
Natalie Portman is apparently playing a true story of an astronaut who wants to have sex with John Hamm, but also a true story of an astronaut trying to readjust back to Earth. She's playing just she a true human if she wants to have sex with John Hamm. From That's the story back from of all space. of us. Yeah, yeah. I don't understand what Natalie Portman's going... I mean, she, I've seen her get praised for her performance. Right. I've seen the movie kind of get a little bit trashed. This is pretty much the playbook that Vox Lux had last year. I've seen Natalie Portman. Everybody likes her performance, and the movie doesn't live up to expectations. I don't... I mean, it's kind of like a little bit what Jackie was, too, if you ask certain people. Natalie Portman was great. She got nominated for the Oscar, but the movie wasn't as great as her performance was. True, but Jackie would fall into that uh, probably a little better than the At Eternity's Gate, maybe the Harriet of this year. Where, yeah, I would agree with that. You know, you got some production values that are super high, and you got a great performance at the center of it. Yeah, maybe the movie isn't a, you know, 90 percenter, but it's still nominatable. Can I make that a word? <laughs> Nominatable. This, I, does, this, this is basically disqualified. Yeah, I would think so. But I don't know. The Academy certainly likes themselves some Natalie Portman. She they doesn't do? really ever do bad performances. If we're going to talk about Harriet being there, even though the movie doesn't live up to it, I don't know. Maybe it's... We got to see. I I know that's kind of a cop-out and all the way we're talking bad about some of these things. And we got to see. We don't know. We're shrugging our shoulders. Well, but I didn't get the impression that this is a 20 percenter. By your scuttlebutt, though, Fox Searchlight is putting it out, and maybe Disney's not getting behind it. And I wouldn't expect so. Yeah, that, yeah. you know, if they're Sad. not, if they're not platforming it the right way, it's it's gonna just, you know, release with a dud. If it dies, it dies. The report. Finally, some happy news that we can kind of start talking about wrapping up here with. The report, 79 Metascore, 84% Rotten Tomato on its first 37 reviews. Yeah, I'm really surprised we haven't gotten more raves for Annette Benning here. I think if, if she was going to be a Best Supporting Actress leader in the clubhouse, we would hear more about her at this stage, right? I, I haven't seen anything about her e either. To be Adam Driver is getting most of the buzz mm -hmm. here, and everybody's talking about how he's having such a great year between this and Marriage Story. And he's a protagonist of the film. Fine. We would hear by now that Annette Benning was going to be, especially with that narrative that she's never won. We would know by now, wouldn't we? Yes, but isn't both supporting rate? It's open, wide they're, open. They're yeah. just like nothing. I mean, Tom Hanks. We can talk about that if you want, and J Lo yeah. as well. We can talk about if you want. But like, those are the first names of any concreteness for those yeah. either category. Other than maybe Margot Robbie, but even and we Brad said, Pitt as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. But they're ha they're wide open, like you said. So let's get to a bunch of contenders now whose scores seem to be holding, Mike. Mm -hmm. Marriage Story continues to draw high marks, 100% on 51 reviews, 95 Metascore. It basically just charmed another film festival. It's going to win Best Picture, isn't it? You think so? Yeah. <laughs> Judy will begin its limited release schedule soon at the end of September, and its scores are not disqualifying, not even close. To me, that's the big news. 66 Metascore, 87% on 31 reviews. So far, so okay? This has the highest mountain to climb in terms of me right. buying that this is going to be an Oscar contender at the end. But I do like the fact that Ann Thompson wrote a big article saying that Basically, the best actress race at this early stage, she framed it between yeah. Renee Zellweger and Scarlett Johansson from those two films. And I just love seeing best actress buzz already. It seems like everything's been, you know, best actor centric thus far. And for good reason with Leo and Joaquin, etc. But th this is good. Now we're starting to get some shape to that best actress race. Lupita Nyong'o. Canceled her IndieWire subscription after that oh, article. I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm rooting for Lupita. But here's the good news about all this, Mike. With so many faux contenders now deemed pretenders, 
Movies like Us, Avengers yeah. Endgame, The Farewell. Things that have come out that we actually see and know are decent. They will yeah. come back. They're better Rise than decent, to the top. Yeah. according to us. Yeah, I agree. Go, go back to our Oscar Sprint profile playlist to, you know, to pitch that again. Yeah. But okay, let's continue this. Parasite is still wowing people, Mike. So if everything else is falling by the wayside, uh, <laughs> is Parasite going to have a chance to actually make some noise in Best Picture? Yeah, I think so. 100% Rotten Tomatoes, 96 reviews, 91 Metascore. After like, I'll be Metascore. honest, this is the only movie that I've heard universally loved so far. I, I could see it. Uh, Junho Bong is incredible. He's got the filmography that's been knocking on the door forever, and he's been by all accounts campaigning in his own charming way at Telluride, going in and out of screenings, meeting and talking to everybody right. over there. And, and I think this movie is already, and you can't say this about many films, it is already creating this resume. And yeah. I, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if it's eligible for the audience award at TIFF, but I wouldn't be surprised if it comes out of TIFF with something and, and it continues to build momentum. That'd be interesting too. I don't know if it is either. We should have done our research there, but if we it should does have. win something at TIFF, won something at, was it uh, Can. Can. Yeah. It, what's the legacy of success for something that's been able to score at these major film festivals along the way and how it does in the Best Picture Race? 8.5 on IMDb on almost 27,000 reviews too. Very, very high scores across the board. Like I said, the lone picture thus far that I've seen not a bad word written about. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's going to be a tender it's just quacking like an oscar mm -hmm. duck right now ford v ferrari 86 percent on 36 reviews 72 meta score is a little worrisome even though that's not necessarily disqualifying in terms of best pictures well, 72 is kind of, yeah kind of the range of a compromise candidate in a year where we don't have anything that's a steadfast best picture leader mm -hmm. shape of water these types of years where everything comes back to the pack we kind of have this fourth or fifth pick that actually ends up winning the trophy it's usually that 72 to 76 range once the Metacritic score settles. It's getting a lot of good buzz. James Mangold is an Academy favorite. But we thought that about Damien Chazelle. And as Matt Neglia put it on our interview last week, he says this really feels a lot like First Man. It's, it's just, you know built on the action. It's got great editing and production values. And, and, and the racing scenes are pretty awesome. And it's well, got First Man was the best picture of 2018. We so, thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, so uh, everybody's wrong. I'm sorry. Will we love this? but somehow it, it yeah it pisses people off i have no idea i i wonder if this is more of a pretender and it's just maybe a production value thing i think the story of this is going to be written soon mm -hmm. because if it grabs any kind of momentum early with critics which it started to we're going to see if it actually plays out but i can see disney getting behind this one because they have the rights to this and it may not have pushing this and if a backlash like right. First Man did. And crit if critics abandon it, I can see Disney just throwing their hands up again with another Fox property and saying, never mind. But so. I, I think this is also, you know, set to make some money, right? They think it's going to make some money. I hope it does. didn't have the bloated budget that maybe First Man did. Yeah, I, I certainly hope it does because those are the types of movies that need to make money. And it has a better release date, I think, too. Right, mid-November. Portrait of a Lady on Fire, 98%. On 56 reviews, a 93 Metascore. We're going to review the trailer in a few minutes. Uh, this is holding. It's a little weird that Parasite has had so much regard and acclaim. Mm -hmm. And this one has equal scores. Probably equal success right now. It's, mm -hmm. I mean, it had success at Cannes. And I don't, I just don't hear a lot about it. You know, I don't is see a lot about it. more artistic, it. Right. perhaps? I hope it's not for the subject matter. I mean, a lesbian romance should be just up there with anything else. Sure. I mean, we, we would say so. I hope that's not the reason. No. I don't, I don't, I, hopefully it's not. I don't think it is. I'm not saying that. 
maybe it is a best screenplay, right. you know, dark horse at the end of the day. I'm rooting for Adele Heinell to get into a conversation, especially with these wide open supporting actress and actress sure. voices at the moment. We'll see. But the buzz is holding in terms of the critical acclaim, right. at least. Right, right. So it's staying alive. It is in high regard, just not as a big of a talking point, I guess, as Parasite has been. But yeah, you're right. absolutely right. But that's our rundown of these TIFF films. We're going to cover that audience award soon. So, you know, listen to our MMOW this Monday. We got some acquisitions at TIFF, too. And I thought that some of this was really interesting, Mike. Bleecker Street acquired Military Wives with Kristen Scott Thomas and Sharon Horgan. I love that Sharon Horgan from Catastrophe on Amazon's doing a serious film. And Kristen St- Scott Thomas has been great in everything. Listen, I saw this. Mm-hmm. I read this article. <laughs> I have no take on this whatsoever. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to come up with something to say about it, and I just have nothing. So, so this happened. That, but this happened, and Bleecker <laughs> Street, we'll, we'll see. We'll, I can confirm this happened. This That's happened. my take. Amazon bought Riz Ahmed's Sound of Metal, 93% 87 Metascore. When will they release it is my question. It's got a lot of high marks from people who have seen it. Amazon is in desperate need of an awards contender. And they can't keep spending money at these film festivals and turning out these things, the aeronauts, that, you know, apparently they're paying people to mark well on these critic sites because the actual critics that have seen it are talking badly about it. They need something to do well. It is a little harsh and obviously tongue-in-cheek on my part there, but... Riz Ahmed, he does well in everything he's doing. Sure. People think that he has best actor qualities and chances from this movie. I would expect this to be a 2020 movie. I don't expect them to release it in 2019. We'll see. I guess they still have a month or so if they want to schedule it somewhere. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Luca Marinelli's Martin Eden it won that acting award at Venice. That was bought by Kino Lorber. It's only gained a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes thus far. Yeah, and it also carries a low 51 meta rating. Uh-oh. I don't expect this to be a heavy uh, contender. It's probably yet, the last we talk about it. And yet the performance beat yeah. Joaquin yeah. at Venice. Does Venice know what they're doing at all? I, I, That's what I'm worried about. I'm right about my conspiracy theory that I pitched about Venice last week is what happened. I'm exactly right. I think you're I'm right. I'm a genius. Well, it's, it's human nature. You're a, you read human <laughs> nature. I, I agree with that. IFC bought uh, True History of the Kelly Gang. This has Thomas and McKenzie, Charlie Hunnam, Russell Crowe, Nicholas Holt, and George McKay as Ned Kelly. 84 Metascore, 82% on 11 reviews. This is a gr- great, harrowing story in the Australian Outback, Mike. Great cast, too. A lot of people that we enjoy their work of is a Justin Kurzel film. He's the director. He directed Michael Fassbender in both Macbeth and the Assassin's Creed movie. Oh, that uh, Macbeth. I mean, you got to be such a hardcore Shakespeare not to like that movie. Number one. I've never seen it, yeah. It is so quiet, and then the score is so loud. I hate that, when movies do that. That, is in, that was infuriating. I really do, do, do not like that. It's one of the more boring Shakespeare movies that I've seen in a while. Maybe I had to... If I watched it with a class, maybe I would have a chance at liking it. It drove me nuts, that movie. Well, Assassin's Creed didn't fare much better in terms of critic scores, but uh, this one has high marks early, and the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that IFC is going to distribute this in 2020, so this is something to keep an eye on for next year's Academy Awards. Yeah, unlikely though, right? But usually when they're bought and announced at this stage, they're probably coming out in the spring or something. So that's our recap of TIFF. Yeah! Quite the recap. That was quite the recap, but TIFF is quite the film festival. It's one of the major ones. They do, like we say, they cover blockbusters, fan favorites, as well as these awards contenders. They always are shaping the Oscars narrative, so it's nice to see. We gotta get our asses up there one day. It's a shame that I'm not allowed outside of this state for legal reasons. That's a lie. Uh, But I would love to go to Toronto someday (laughs) for bring Mike Mike and Oscar up to TIFF and see these films live. 
It's literally to me. Look, I know people love the film festival circuit right. and all that. It's the only film festival that I'm like, God, I really need to go. Uh, I need to go. Yeah, you know, three hundred. As, as beautiful as Matt Neglia may tell your eyes sound last week, I still am just like, I gotta get to Canada. You want to hike between mountains <laughs> no, and no. run from? Bears. I'm a sedentary man. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, you can Uber up in uh, Toronto. There. Right. Exactly. So, some more film festival news. Uh, Kristen Stewart is going to receive the Golden Eye Award at the Zurich Film Festival. This accompanying her role in Seaberg, Mike. So Zurich released a press release saying that they're awarding Kristen Stewart for her pension of choosing to work with independent filmmakers on artistically driven projects instead of having gone to blockbusters like she could have done after Twilight. Mm-hmm. Jake Gyllenhaal and Andrew Garfield have also previously won this award, though. So, this story, again, yeah. the star of the upcoming Charlie's Angels <laughs> is being rewarded for picking independent art films by being given the same award as Mysterio and the Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, it's a little strange. <laughs> just, like, just, just praise her for being a great actress. <laughs> exactly! That's what I would say. And a like, great she's advocate. Awesome. Like, right. Why do you have to... I, I mean, I guess they're going for headlines there. And they got them, because yeah. we well, covered we're it. talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Well, let's move on to San Sebastian here. One final preview for that. We got Blackbird opening that festival. Will that, you know, spot, you know, give it better reviews? I doubt it. Ava Green stars in Proxima about an astronaut. There's a lot of miniseries premiering here. Doesn't seem like this festival is going to hold a lot of weight, even though we're kind of, you know, shouting it out in the past. Listen to the previous Oscar race checkpoints to hear a, a larger overview of the festival. But you never know. I mean, tune in next week. Maybe we'll have something for you that, that starts on the 20th. I would love to get a director of one of these film festivals on and just pick their brain about the process of getting these pictures in to start and finish their festivals. Yeah. Because... It's got to be a lot of speculation if it's not just a lot of doing someone a favor or playing nice with someone you're close to. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to be a lot of, we think this could have Oscar's legs. It's available to us. Let's gamble on it. And Blackbird is something that, you know, in a vacuum, a Susan Sarandon ill mother picture with a great cast supporting her sounds like something that could conceivably be an Oscar's picture. But it doesn't seem like the early reports and the early scores are going to hold that up. So I wonder at what point if you're running these festivals and you've made these decisions, at what point do you like, oh well, you throw your hands up. Well, we tried. Next year, let's try it again. Wouldn't everybody want to go to San Sebastian for a film sure. festival? Like, to me, that's the one that I want to go to. Yeah. yeah. Just go live on the beach, pick yeah, your feet up. I may up. not come back. Down there in Puerto Rico, just you with a fluffy Hawaiian shirt flapping a, in the breeze. I don't even a pass. I don't even need a passport. <laughs> I do very well there. Let's talk about some Oscar trailers that came out this week. Uh, only a few of them to recap here. Waves, we had our first look at that. Yeah. All right, Sterling Brown. Welcome yeah. to the Oscars conversation. So we've been screaming this Damn for right. two years since we yeah. started this podcast. And this is a long time coming, Mike. Academy, it seems like, you know, based on this trailer, he's going to be undeniable. Just based on the freaking trailer. I hope so. I right? really hope so, man. Right? Oh, my God. A lot of I, stares. A lot yeah. of soliloquies by him. A lot of, I'm just a regular guy trying to do right by my family, but life is weighing me down. That, that tormented soul type uh, character. He's working out. Yeah. He's a good dad. Best supporting actor. Seems like an obvious decision. It's an open year, too. I mean, if ever. 
If ever. If, and, and Waze is getting high marks. I, you know, we didn't highlight it because it wasn't in Toronto, but Matt Neglia talked glowingly about it last oh, yeah. week from Telluride. Everyone that sees this seems to like this as well. Fingers crossed. I hope it's just Sterling K. Brown's time. High scores, 85 meta with a 93% on 23 reviews right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Mike, I'm also impressed with Kelvin Harrison Jr. here. Our friend Matt said it was even even better performance than Luce, yeah. which is Great. You know, surprising to hear. I am most impressed with, after this trailer, the cinematography, Mike. I can see that. This camera is moving in every single direction. It's even diving into the water. Yeah. It, it, it's as smooth as silk with an actress kind of, you know, getting up in a start from her bed. It's slow motion zooming on the, you know, table at the diner there. It, it's crisp and beautiful from one shot to the next. It's obviously circulating moonlight style and, or, you know, around Kelvin Harrison and on the beach there. Look, if you're going to copy Moonlight, and everybody's t- saying that it's, it feels a lot like Moonlight in terms of, you know, its rhythms, if you're going to copy an Oscar movie, why not Moonlight? I mean, Moonlight it was, was fucking gorgeous. One of the best cinematography winners yeah. at the Oscars in a while. Absolutely gorgeous. And it's just fun to look at Moonlight. So, oh my yeah, God. why wouldn't you copy that? I'm all for it. I'm very excited to see Waves. Uh, thanks in no small part to what Matt Neglia said about yeah. it. And then following up and seeing this trailer. Can't wait. Expectations are through the roof right now. The Lighthouse, Mike, this is trailer two, and Chris Evangelista on the Slash Film Daily podcast, he said this was one of his favorite movies from TIFF, and it's because of the reasons that we want it to be one of his favorites. It's just right? batshit. He says it's one of the weirder movies he's ever seen, and genre nerds like him, like us, are going to love it all the same. It, it's going to get an F-minus cinema score, he said, <laughs> which I love. is my favorite Good. line from that podcast. I I can't wait to see this, but what, 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 what is this movie about, Mike? We're supposed to get more plot in trailer two. We don't get any of that here. I have two thoughts about this scene. And then this trailer, it's Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson just saying what back and forth, back and forth. until they lose their minds. Um, my first thought is Stone Cold Steve Austin in the yeah. early 2000s. This is his gimmick. He was That's cutting right. a promo and the crowd would say, what? And he would answer, and then what? And it's just back and forth forever. So do you think Robert Eggers did this on purpose, or this is in his subconscious? I think he's And it's like, buried there, and it came out. He's editing and writing this script, and he's just wearing the Austin 316 t-shirt and giggling to himself, and like holding his hand up, and his brother's throwing him a beer. It's I think that's Yeah, <laughs> that's deliberate. what happened. No, I don't know. I, 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 just, I thought that was funny. But secondly, imagine writing that dialogue... And, like, having your intern or somebody working on the movie finding those four pages of just alternating what's. <laughs> it's like, you think you've gone full shining. Like, all work and no play makes Jack a dull what, you know? The guy would have lost his mind. He's got had to have, like, three pages of alternating what's. Samuel Jackson must be watching this trailer and just <laughs> losing his wigwam. <laughs> I, I, I'm still as much in the dark... Uh, like the black and white cinematography here as I was after the first trailer. And I don't think I'm mad about that though, Mike, because I want this to be the puzzler. I want this to be the weird genre movie. Well, I got bad news for you. I figured this out. Here's my question. Who do you think is the imaginary one? (laughs) Because one of them, I imagine this is going to be about a guy who lost his mind and he has a fake friend that he created. I'm guessing the younger man. Yeah, I think so too. I think, I think Defoe's just losing it. And it's the older guy yeah. thinking about the younger friend that he right. killed. Or right. the, the I could be completely off base, but it, Robert Pattinson does have tentacles in the first trailer as well. It better not be the younger <laughs> man that he used to be because they look nothing alike. <laughs> that'll, that'll be worse. Going than, down this road again. That'll huh? be worse than Tommy Lee Jones. 
and Brad Pitt. You have some very odd criteria on which you disqualify films. Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> is a track star build, if he's anything. He's like, and he's like a 400 runner. No, not even. He's like a 300 runner. And freaking Tommy Lee Jones was an offensive guard for Harvard. It's totally two different builds. natural progression of things. You start talking about Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse, you're going to end up uh, talking about Ad Astra. The tale of the tape <laughs> is wrong, and you got to do more, Hollywood, to, to sync that up. Give me a break. <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire had its second trailer release as well. This is absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. I mean, the cinematography, here we come for this as well. And It's not moving as much, but the... You know, mise en scene. I don't like to use that word, but I have well, to. It's a legitimate thing, yeah. Holy crap! Everything's a painting. In uh, this. The the lens in which they use is going the wide angle. It's absolutely stunning. The stakes of this movie confuse the shit out of me, to be honest. I I, I agree, and yet I I hear I've heard reviews basically saying it's a romance, and and those got to be the stakes. I right? could see that, right? But like, just based on A to B storytelling, okay? Okay. You have this woman who's going to paint this picture of this other woman mm -hmm. but subject woman can't know that painter woman is painting her mm -hmm. who's commissioning this painting we don't get patronage in the modern age though mike <laughs> i don't think we'll get it back in this you know whatever age this was in the whatever hundreds who's saying come here to paint this woman if it's just a woman it's, who lives it, alone? It's in the voiceover, though. I mean, you you, you did you read the subtitles? Are you going... <laughs> I did. I read the subtitles okay. of this one because I full, had them to read. You didn't go full Emma here. <laughs> no. But apparently, you know, Adele Hainel infuriated the first artist so much that he failed to paint her face, and that that painting that was so striking at the beginning of the trailer with without a face, essentially. You get this kind of on-the-sly commissioning of this second portrait, and she basically has to befriend this woman, become her walking companion, in order to commit her visage to memory to then paint her. When she gets the check at mm -hmm. the end of this job, whose name is on the check? Mike, I just think this is a <laughs> fancy schmancy way... To rewrite the regular rom-com send-up. No, 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 stay with me for a second because you're going to like this. <laughs> you know, in, 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 you know, 10 Things I Hate About You, right. this is based on a bet between buddies at the lunch table. Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is the French fancy-schmancy version of that. That's... I bet that you can't take out Janie Briggs to the prom. Why <laughs> is the painter there? <laughs> Who said the painter should show up the to make this lesbian love story happen? The mysterious voice <laughs> in the trailer, Mike. Well, I guess we'll meet her. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, Don't go. <laughs> gorgeous cinema like I said. Great chamber music, too. I really like that. Very high expectations. We could be headed for, like, the most loaded, three-headed monster international film category since, like... Pan's Labyrinth, The Lives of Other, 2000, the 2007 year. I agree. I think these movies are getting a lot of buzz, and we're getting big trailers, and people are loving it. And everybody's talking about it in the States! Yeah. Which is awesome. It, it is awesome. awesome to see. So, some more awards news to finish up here. Uh, Ava DuVernay and Sam Rockwell will be honored at the Gotham Awards, Mike. Uh, those nominations will come out October 24th, and everybody says that the Gotham Awards kind of kicks off awards season officially yeah. in a big way. The writer won it last year. We had the big award at Gotham, and it made some noise come Oscars time. We yeah. gave it an OSP. It certainly was an awards-worthy movie. December 2nd for that show. I know Gotham Awards only do low-budget movies. Right. Under $20 million, I think, is the, the tent. I know that's in, Indie right? Spear. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I yeah. think you're, you're right. Um, we'll know by December 2nd. Right. There's, there's nothing more appropriate to me mm -hmm. 
for the Gotham Awards in New York City to reward Ava DuVernay after what she did this year in shining that spotlight on the, you know, colloquially and wrongly named Central Park Five group. Right. But that's a t- I understand it's a television show. It's a Netflix miniseries, so it's not a movie. But eleven or twelve Emmy noms, right? But it makes a lot of sense that they, the city of New York, should reward her for her work there because yeah. that's a, a huge undertaking. Like you said, people love it. Going to get its own set of awards at the TV celebration that is the Emmys. So I, that makes a lot of sense to me. Sam Rockwell is obviously you just want to reward an actor. I don't know what if he has any ties to New York City. I don't know that off the top of my head, but the, the Ava DuVernay part of this is what I wanted to highlight because I think it's very proper. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. She's been uh, incredible for yeah. years, and she deserves this. And and it's great. It's great because of the fact that she's such a, a huge presence at the Emmys this year. Right. And we're rooting for her. Sure. And I, I just, you know, she's been an advocate 13th a couple years ago. Yeah, she's done. She, I mean, she's one of the people that, you know, yes, she's a filmmaker. And yes, she's pouring her heart and soul and all these things. But she has made this concerted effort to take issue movies and real life issue pop culture of the moment stories and mm-hmm. relay them into a more digestible and entertaining vehicle. Yeah. Which is sometimes necessary to get more people aware of it. And she did it. She's doing that for Netflix, of mm-hmm. course, the last 10 years or, so, five, or at least five. And, you know, she tried to do that in, 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 with a mainstream film last year with Oprah, et cetera. Yep. But, you know, it, it worked it worked in a production value way. Uh, we liked it. We didn't think I it, loved that yeah, movie. Yeah, I, I thought I, it was a great We were in for was. that. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't hit. But, the, you know, this is... Let's go. Let's get more yeah. momentum for When They See Us, of course, is the name of the Netflix miniseries. Yes. You want to go check that out. Mike, we also have Matthew Modine threatening to kill people on Twitter. That's always smart. Yeah. What the hell is going on here? We have a situation where there's a tweet, let's get rid of her once and for all, that is talking about Gabrielle Carteris, the president of the you know the uh, the other party right yeah in this election for the screen actors guild this goes back to that sag after the whole union dispute that's been going on that we commented a couple weeks ago more thoroughly in oscar race checkpoint matthew modine also agreed to be the lead in cutthroat island so his decision making has always been questionable at best i would say the decision making <laughs> here to retweet that <laughs> so and then like other powerful people retweeted it, and it's just so strange. Like, why would you think that was okay? Like, what in what world? You know what I'm really fucking sick of? People in prominence and places of power, when they say something or do something or retweet something that's too far over the line, I'm tired of the, oh, it's just a joke. Get a sense of humor. Yeah, but then the gift they send out is like, right. a, there's a shootout it, from it, a movie. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you, these are evil thoughts these are inherently right and objectively over the line thoughts you can't just like poo poo your way out ah, it's just a joke the left doesn't have a sense of humor anymore the right doesn't have a sense of no this is wrong you should your feet should be held to the fire for it they have been getting slammed for good reason i'm curious to see what the result of it all is going to be for this for this yeah. guild i wonder if this does them in i don't know yeah we'll see i just short-sightedness and stupid to be honest with you we'll finish up looking forward to one potential oscars 2020 or 2021 story yeah the personal history of david copperfield that is now going to be ineligible for this year's Oscars. According to Eric Weber at Awards Ace, he reported that it's getting a 2020 release date of January 10th. And 
that takes Deb Patel out of it. That takes Armando Iannucci out of it. Mm-hmm. It's opening the London Film Fest, which we were excited to hear. Right. It's got great production values with huge top hats. We thought this might be <laughs> something that could be funny. Like, we thought this might be in the Jojo Rabbit territory, a satire, right. a, a period piece drama that could be, you know, best costumes. Who knows? No, it's getting pushed. To January? Yeah. That's worrisome. It is. Have we ever had a best picture? No. Contender for debut in January? Well, yes. I mean, Silence of the Lambs. We have. Silence of the Lambs I thought was February. Though. Well, whatever. I mean, we've had, we've had sure February. We've had. I'm talking specifically the first month of the year after the holidays when everything's fresh on the mind. I'm sure we've had. I, I, we this, should know. That'd be interesting to do some research on and find yeah. that out. Um, I'm curious as to why there was a rush to put this in so many film festivals this year if they're going to end up punting it down until 2020 anyway. I don't understand that because there does seem to be... The first time we reported on this, we said this seems like it's going to be a 2020 movie. And then there was this rush to get it out there and hit these film festivals, and they're still going to be in the film festivals, like you said, the London film festivals still going to yeah. show it, and yet they're not going to release it to the public until next year. That's quite worrisome to me. I know it was a delayed acquisition, so right. You know, I guess that's the reason. Yeah, I don't know. I don't like it. it I don't smells like weird. It. It smells funny to me. I, I wish our. It had kind of happened with the death of Stalin too, with the Anucci, and it's strange. It's true, like, it, that played early in the year last year, and it had to like, and, and it kept. Being in the conversation for best screenplay throughout was, award it season. Was. It was. Interesting. I don't know. The January thing. I don't like it. All right. No. We'll wrap don't. up here. Oscar race checkpoint. Another one in the books for you. That will wrap up and put the bow on. Well, not quite put the bow on, I guess, but it'll do uh, most of the wrapping for the most package the that is the Toronto International Film Festival. We'll put the bow on it in MMO Weekly right. when we can discuss who finally won the Grolsch Award. Took me only 18 times to say that correctly, which I still probably said it incorrectly. <laughs> Monday on MMO Weekly. That will be out for you. We'll analyze that. We'll break it down and tell you what it all means. Uh, until then, though, we want to know, obviously, your thoughts, comments, questions, concerns about the Toronto International Film Festival, and as well as anything else we covered in the MMO Empire, you can reach out to us on Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. If you do own an iPhone, if you want to take 30 seconds out of your day and do a good deed for someone, if you appreciate the content that we put out here, go to your podcast app in your iPhone, uh, tap the search in the bottom right-hand corner, type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and submit. You'll be able to tap on our logo from there just scroll down once you'll see the opportunity if you can leave us a five-star review those truly go a long way and we thank each and every one of you that have done that. i think we're up to like 108 five-star reviews so thank you guys yes, thank you seeing as we were at like 60 just three or four weeks ago uh you guys have been awesome Appreciate at that it. if you want to leave a comment as well feel free to do that maybe we'll even read it out live during an episode michael what are some words of wisdom for these fine people and what is coming next from mmo it's wise to start reviewing movies mike and we got a ton of oscar smart profiles on the schedule right now we just put one out on Downton Abbey last night, and uh, we're excited to do Hustlers. Yeah, that review in Downton Abbey is not what you think it is. It's fun. <laughs> you should check it out. A I, lot of I people sincerely love it. say that. I've been getting a lot of you know praise for it this yeah. morning, and not just from my mom. <laughs> I'm really happy. But mostly. It. Mostly. <laughs> yeah, but, but that's just because of the sheer quantity of right, praise right, that right. she's giving it. But we're doing Ad Astra as well next week, so we're excited about that. And I, just one week after the next, you know, we'll, we'll finish up this Joker character study, but we have a ton of of movies to review. Sure do. Here's something else I'm proud of. Like mm-hmm. our 100% accurate, you know, projections right. right after the, you know, start of the new film year. 
a lot of those sneaking suspicions played out too. Like, and I, I'm proud of, I remember it came to me on many occasions, like, oh, we said this, we said this was gonna happen. <laughs> so we may not, I know we're reporting on a lot of what everybody else is reporting today. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a fun thing to do to give you that swap, right. to give you that survey. But you know, we've been on the point, on the ball with a lot of this stuff as well. I've never been wrong. You keep saying that. <laughs> and whatever it takes to give you the confidence. Just period, end of sentence. <laughs> I've never been wrong. But stay tuned for MMOW. <laughs> stay tuned because we're going to talk about that TIFF Audience Award winner and drink a couple of groceries. <laughs> it sounds delicious. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We'll see you in a few days. See you.